0: This is Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, the 93.9 KPDQ FM Network, AM 860 The Answer, KPAM, AM 1640 The Patriot, 93.1 Ray, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk about how to qualify for maybe hosting your own radio program, becoming an authority, and expanding the reach of your ministry or business, both on the air and through our state-of-the-art digital and online resources through our Salem Surround Marketing branch. Maybe you could host one of our station's events when the world reopens, and it will, and you can bring people to your church or business at no risk to you. And you could even find out about how to get your church on our church directory. And also, if you're live streaming your services, how to get on our church service live stream directory. Just email me for all the details at at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. As we go through this pandemic period together, what I'm trying to do is get as many local voices on as possible to give us hope and inspiration as well as information. So today's very special guest, you may remember from a few years back when he interviewed with Oregon Youth Authority. So welcome, Pastor Randy Butler from Salem Evangelical Church. How are you today, sir? I'm very good, Mike. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on board, as always. So give us a brief recap, won't you? What happened after the Oregon Youth Authority's facilities where you volunteered moved up out of Salem to the Woodburn area? Well, it's actually an exciting
1: story from our side of the ledger. We um, continued to be involved uh, with the youth, and uh, our number of volunteers uh, increased uh, seemingly each month, but certainly each year. And uh, even today, I filled out a reference for someone who wants to volunteer uh, for Oregon Youth Authority at McLaren. So we have somewhere between, I'm not sure, the number, 30 to 40 volunteers. And uh, we're able to do monthly socials with them. Uh, we're able to um, have one-on-ones with them. And then our church also is able to provide uh, Christmas and Easter breakfast for them, which is a joy and a privilege. And uh, then I'm able to be there usually on Tuesdays and Saturdays and also minister to the kids uh, when they're out. Uh, in fact, I had one call me today and we're helping with a phone card. And so there's just a lot of different things that we can do to help them. I have one uh, who's out who's asked me if I would perform his marriage ceremony when we're allowed to do that. So there's a lot of ways that we have been able to be involved and we thank the Lord for those opportunities, including um, in 2018 we were able to dedicate a gym floor at McLaren that the state uh, had a lot of money for a lot of the projects for renovation and new buildings. But not the gym floor. And so we as a church family had the privilege of uh, deciding to uh, finish that for them. And so we were able to purchase the gym floor and had it dedicated, I believe it was in February of 2018. And uh, it was a real joy. And and every time I walk by that gym uh, on Tuesdays and Saturdays, I hear the ball bouncing and I'm able to to just take joy in knowing that
0: uh, we made a difference in the lives of a lot of kids. For listeners who may not have heard our first interview together about Oregon Youth Authority, could you give us the big picture and especially tell us the story about how you got involved volunteering there in the first place? Well, we have an employee, one in particular, who works on a unit in intake. There are two
1: units that are intake. And, um, she invited her Sunday school class to fix a Christmas dinner for the unit. And they did. And she had called me up and asked if I would come and share with the kids. And I said, well, I have no idea what I would even say to them. And I had been a youth pastor for many years and done youth camps and worked in college ministries, but never in that setting. I had been in adult corrections, but never youth corrections. And she said, well, just come introduce yourself and say hello and tell them a little bit about your family. And so, I remember that first that first day in December of two thousand and fifteen when I went to Hillcrest at the time and I got clearance and went through the the um, security that they had and I went through the first gate and the second gate and then went into a building and went through the first door and up to the second door, and then the last door in, and there were nineteen youth. Sixteen was capacity that day, but there were nineteen youth sitting in a in a room on tables and chairs with us with uh, the staff all around them. And and uh, I thought, man, oh man, I I do not belong here. Um, I'm out of my element to say the very least. But it's amazing what the Holy Spirit did. He came into that room in a very profound way. And and uh, the employee asked me if I would share a little bit about my life, and I shared about my my uh, marriage and my daughter and my son. And, and um, I, I just shared with them a little bit about my heart. And uh, while I was talking, one of the kids raised their hands and said, uh, can I please say something? I said, sure. I looked at the staff. I didn't know what the rules were. It turned out I didn't have authority to do that, but I, I, uh, I said, sure. And so he spoke, and they allowed him to speak. And he said, I want to ask for forgiveness And I said, Oh, and, and he said, Yeah, the, the, the boy next to me, I was planning on hurting tonight. And when they say that, you need to understand that's more than, than, uh, what would happen on the outside. And, uh, it was, it was, it was, it could have been significant. And so, um, I, I thought that was pretty cool that, that he asked for forgiveness. Another boy raised his hand and he said, Can I say something, Pastor Randy? I said, Sure. And he said, Well, I was going to join him and and also be part of the, Part of um, what was going to happen tonight, and he said, I want to ask for forgiveness, and so i 'm thinking, well, this is just like youth group, this is people forgiving one another. What a marvelous place. Not realizing that that, of course, is not very normal, uh, at least as as I understood as they explained it to me later. So when we were done, uh, I wanted to tell the kids goodbye, and um, I will oftentimes offer them a handshake or a hug to to a youth if that 's what they ask for and they were all they were all boys and and um 3 of them came up to me and and the first one hugged me and i held on to him knowing that that i didn't know that i had broken that rule too uh since then though it's okay to do that uh, but i i didn't realize that i wasn't necessarily supposed to do that and and uh, he was crying and he said i don't have a father you're the closest thing to a father that i have and uh, the second boy the same thing and the third boy a similar story that without a father and uh that hug and vulnerable in front of 16 other youth 1700 youth. That that was a that was a really big deal because I had told the story of of my 16 year old son who had died at the time when he was 16 years old and and so I said you're all my sons and uh, I said I see Kevin in each one of you and uh, I want the very best for you and I when I got when I got done I went out the doors and I went to my um, vehicle and I sat in there and I cried and I cried all the way home and I sat on the couch when I got home and and Joni said what in the world is wrong and I said well I just I just had a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and uh, I began weeping. And um, I said, "I think I love those kids." I said, "What a what a powerful experience!" And so I thought nothing of it. A few days later, and uh, couldn't get it out of my mind what I had seen and heard and experienced. And I got another phone call from this employee, and she said, "Would you be willing to come back and talk to the kids again next week?" And I said, "Well, what do I say to them? I, I don't have anything to say. I've already said it to them." She said, "Just come back and talk to them." and Long story short, um, I have been going back ever since and uh, have been um, very much a a permanent fixture there um, several days a week, sometimes more, uh, once in a while less. But they've allowed me to do many, many, many things, including perform wedding ceremonies for staff. I've had two funerals on campus, uh, one for uh, an employee and one for a youth whose uh, family member died. And so I've just had a lot of rare privileges and opportunities, and it's
0: been a very sweet relationship between our church and Oregon Youth Authority. Something I'd like to point out, Pastor Randy, is when you're going, you're not going as the lead pastor of Salem Evangelical Church. You're volunteering on your own free time. I love that. Right, right.
1: I do it on my own time so that there's not a conflict between my work, though my church would be very understanding of that. But I go on my own time after I'm done on Tuesdays and on Saturdays. It's my day off, and so I go on my own time. Um, Once in a while, there are some things that I do during church time, but it's very, very few. Uh, but most of it is done um, in my in my time off because we encourage our people to volunteer. And uh, if if I as a staff member can't volunteer, then then it's uh, probably not as appropriate for me to ask people to volunteer if I'm not willing to do the same thing in our community. So I I love doing that. Uh, I also um, just love the opportunity now to work with some of the staff as well, and uh, the opportunities have
0: just increased. And I thank the Lord for that. Can you tell us a little bit about your church, Salem Evangelical Church, and your roots with it?
1: Yeah, it's one of the oldest churches around. It was uh, established in 1864. Uh, it's been around a long time. James Crossman came came from Pennsylvania, had to go all the way down and around South America and up to San Francisco and then to Portland and then take the ferry down to uh, the Willamette River, down to Salem, got off and stopped at the courthouse, and that's where his first sermon was preached. And from there, they established a church at the cost of $5,000. We've moved several times, uh, landing here on Broadway and Locust. And we've been here since 1972. And I came here in 1986, so I'm just finishing my 34th year, four years as a youth pastor and the rest of those as the senior pastor.
0: So when you became the youth pastor at Salem Evangelical, did you have any idea that somewhere down the line that role might be changing to what it is today?
1: Um, I had been a head pastor at the previous church for 11 months, and uh, the experience was difficult. And so I had taken some a few months away, and I got a phone call to come to Salem Evangelical as a youth pastor, not knowing what what the future would be, but I needed to eat, I needed to provide for my family. And so um, I took the job, and, and oftentimes when you come to a church, it starts out as a job, but it, it finishes as a, as a true calling. And I'm thankful for the privilege that I've had to be with one congregation most of my adult life. Um, it's been a blessing to my wife and I, and I thank the Lord for, for what He's afforded us and for the beautiful people. Um, sometimes people say, what's the secret to staying at a church for 30 plus years or 20 plus years? And, and, uh, the, the secret probably is, is that, um, if you think long term, you'll love long term. And I, I try to think long term, and then that, that causes me to love long term. And, um, I've had many times to say, I am sorry, I was wrong. Um, I could have done better and I should have done better. Will you please forgive me? And, and it's just easiest to say when you've done something wrong to say, I've done something wrong. And, uh, I have a very generous, forgiving congregation who, uh, prays for me and I them. And, um, it's been a, it's been truly a joy and a blessing to
0: be at Salem Evangelical these many years. Salem EC has definitely made an impact in the community in the 12-plus years that I've lived in the area, Pastor Randy. So for people who may be between churches or looking, especially during this pandemic season, are you streaming your services online? We are. We, we
1: um, I got back from a little time away, and and I came back on the uh, 10th of March, and then we were learning what was unfolding before our very eyes. And of course, on that Sunday, the 15th, things changed dramatically. And uh, we had just a few people in church because of the rules that were set forth and had put a lot of restrictions on our congregation, uh, even voluntarily. And so uh, we we uh, made some, some immediate changes, and we are offering live streaming. We offered it on the 15th. We had no equipment going into that Friday, and we uh, got some equipment very quickly. We have a very gifted young man on our staff who's who's had that experience at previous churches, and so he got us up and running in a couple of days, and we've been improving it each week, they tell me, technically, and uh, I'm thankful for that. I do what I've always done, but uh, the technicians are the ones who really make it happen. They're the heroes behind the behind the scenes who rarely get any credit. Uh, And so we started live streaming on the 15th. We live stream every Sunday morning at 9.15. You can go to facebook.com slash SalemEC or you can go to our website, SalemEC.com, and you can join us um, and be a part of our services. I also do a Wednesday night Bible study um, called Words from Jesus, and I use a little tool that I put together that uh, may be referencing later in our interview called Jesus Life with a workbook that goes with it. And then I also do a, a short 15-minute devotional each weekday, Monday through Friday at 1 o'clock called Encouraging Times. And uh, the full library is there. So going back to when we started um, uh, on the 16th of, of March, they're all there and you can pick them up if you want to do that and watch them at your, at your leisure.
0: Those websites were com and also Facebook on the Salem Evangelical Church page. I'll make sure that those links are up on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. So obviously, Pastor Randy, so many churches have had to readjust how they're sharing their worship and their teachings. But can you give us the big picture about what exactly is Salem Evangelical Church, for those who might be curious about coming to visit you online and, yeah. God willing, soon, in person someday?
1: Sure. We're a family-oriented church, which means that we have something for all ages, all of the time. And I might add that our um, preschool director, our children's director, mid-high and senior high, they all have online um, events, Bible studies and services as well. And you can find those on our, on our um, website, as well, so we've we've um, always used the Bible. We've always been basic to uh, salvation, and we believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the person of Jesus Christ, and we believe in the power of God, and so we believe that the Bible is authoritative and inspired and inerrant, and uh, it's the it's the word of God for our life, and um, we're to obey it um, and to know that that Jesus is the only way to salvation. And uh, believe in in a literal heaven and a literal hell, and and quite frankly, both drive me. But probably a literal hell drives me more than a literal heaven. Um, I was saved on a hell sermon when I was seven years old, so I have a reason for that. And uh, that 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 night of December fourth, nineteen sixty six, uh, has forever changed my life. And I'm thankful for the pastor who had the courage to speak on a subject. Uh, that probably wasn't popular in the 60s either, but it certainly is not popular now. But that doesn't mean that it's any the less true. And so I'm thankful for for my heritage in that. And we try to convey that. We have a a prayer service uh, on Sunday nights as well when we meet. And we have Wednesday night classes. We have Bible studies throughout the week and a lot of activities for all the age groups. So we have a lot to offer. Uh, people in our community, as well as as things that we do for our community, including food box ministry. And we're doing that even now during this pandemic. And um, we just enjoy people and and our church is open to all. We're we're very average. I'm very average, Um, very, very average. And because of that, um, we just simply want to love
0: people. So anyone is welcome to give it a try. When we return, we're going to go over more details about Oregon Youth Authority, Salem Evangelical Church, and something interesting happened in Jerusalem. So some websites that you can find on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com include JesusOverJerusalem.com, SalemEC.com, RandyRButler.com, and Oregon.gov slash OYA. We're also going to hear about Jesus' life and more details about Pastor Randy Butler next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with Pastor Randy Butler from Salem Evangelical Church. He's also been working with the Oregon Youth Authority. And now they are streaming their 9.15 Sunday morning service online, both on their Facebook page and at salemec.com. Pastor Randy, can you give us the big picture about what happened to you on December 4th of 1966?
1: Yeah, I was seven years old, and I went to a Sunday night church service back when they still had those. And uh, the evangelist from Bolivia was a missionary, and his name was uh, John Kunkel, but he had a nickname of Uncle Kunkel. He was shorter than short, and he was fairly heavy, as I recall it. I was seven years old, so things are probably exaggerated in a seven-year-old's mind and eyes. And um, he gave a message on the subject of hell scared me to death, which I needed. And um, at the end, uh, I noticed that it was 7 o'clock, and our favorite TV show, mine, was Bonanza, the number one show at the time, and I think every little boy had a had a hero of... Of Hoss Cartwright or Little Joe or maybe even Adam, and so mine was Hoss Cartwright because I was little and he was large and I could have probably fit in his hat. And um, he said, the evangelist said this and I'll never forget it. And this is what this is what got me. And he said that um, I know that right now um, the number one TV show in America is on, and uh, you probably want to be home seeing it right now. But he said I'm going to go I'm going to go overtime. And the reason is, is because there's someone who needs to hear that um, Jesus needs to be their hero, not Hoss Cartwright. And uh, they need to give their heart to Jesus. And he gave the invitation, and there was only one person who went forward that night. And it was a little boy. And uh, I went forward, and I bawled my eyes out and got gloriously saved. And I would imagine that uh, dear evangelist probably thought that the crusade had been a fairly big failure. Um, one little guy. But it changed my life. And so I'm very grateful for that, and I'm grateful for the faithfulness of that evangelist being willing to go to a small church.
0: I love the fact that that evangelist did that, Pastor Randy. And I think sometimes when we work in ministry, we unfortunately become numbers-driven. We look at things through business eyes instead of through ministry eyes. And like you said, if all we do is speak to that one correct person that God calls us to, the rest is just Icing on the cake. So I love the fact that you were reached at such a young age. So was this the point where you first wanted to become a preacher, or did this happen before this evening?
1: No, I, I, after I got saved, I, I gave Jesus my. It was it was maybe close to a Saul Paul conversion, maybe not, but it was it was all, I was all in from the very beginning, and uh, always wanted to be a preacher, and so I practiced as a boy. I, practiced in front of my dog, Tammy, and she would just sit there patiently and listen to me. And I practiced in front of the mirror as a a nine-year-old, as a 10-year-old, I remember doing that, and I just always wanted to be a preacher. And so I worked towards that through high school when I got to college. I had never lost that. And uh, when I was was 16 years old, I went to family camp, and another evangelist gave a message about the call to full-time Christian service. And at the time, I was on the golf team uh, at my high school, and I was I was decent, and uh, I had aspirations to maybe make golf a part of my life. He gave the uh, he gave the um, invitation, and he said, um, "God will put a love in your heart um, like you've never had before, and uh, for people." And I said, "Lord, my prayer is is that you will you will give me a love for people and take my love for golf away." And that was my prayer. I went forward and I said, "I'm all yours. I'll do whatever you want me to do." And that was a confirmation of what he said to me as a younger boy about eight years previous. And I went to the golf course the next day to do my usual um, um, routine of practice. And I stepped up to the first ball with my sand wedge and, and I absolutely had no desire to even strike the ball. And and I went through my practice routine. And when I got done, I said, huh, it's gone. My love for, for the game of golf was taken away. My love for people God put in my heart and the love to preach. And so I, I'm grateful for what God did that night as well. So those are two very significant uh, nights in my life along with the day that I got baptized at age nine. That was highly significant too. And so I encourage people to give their hearts to Jesus Christ. I encourage people to get saved. And I encourage people to serve the Lord with all their heart, whatever it is that he might call them to do, or might be a, a postal worker or a school teacher or a custodian, whatever it is, um, serve
0: serve him with a call and a purpose in your heart. So Randy, were you generally uninterested in people before you asked God at this moment as a high school golfer
1: yeah i was i was a, i was a, I was a boy I wanted to play, and so when I was little, I wanted to play and when I was in high school, I wanted to play sports. I did what every boy wanted to do and so it was interested in people sure I, I didn't dislike people, but um something happened in my heart that night, and um god God sealed the deal and uh, said i'm going i'm going to give you a love that's not your love it's a love for me and um It'll carry you all the way to to the finish line that I have for you.
0: So you were a regular guy. You enjoyed playing golf, but the fact that you were not a people person before you asked this from God—that's evidence it had to be from God, because it certainly wasn't how you were wired up to that point, was it?
1: No, I was more of an introvert in a lot of ways. So the the, the people that knew me might not have said that, but I I um I enjoyed being alone sometimes, and I still do, uh, but. Um, I also love being with people. And, and, you know, you find out how much you love people when you go through something like we're going through now in this pandemic where we are self-quarantined, kind of, sort of. And you can't be with people. We certainly can't be with people at church. And uh, you don't realize how much something means to you. Maybe you do, but you don't really fully realize how much something means to you until it's taken away. And I know that it's only temporary, but uh, it has been taken away for this season, and um, you realize how much uh, that is of your life. And, and I dearly miss the people of our church. Um, I dearly miss um, all that uh, we experience when we are together in community. We still are in a different sort of a way, but it's not the same as being together. It's just not even near the same as being together.
0: Is it difficult for you to preach a sermon to a near empty room, considering what you were used to over the past thirty plus years?
1: I cannot begin to tell you what it feels like. I cannot begin to tell you how awkward and uncomfortable and unnatural. And I, I cannot begin to tell you what that what that uh, feeling is like. I each week before I I um, begin the service, I go into our older sanctuary, and I kneel where I've knelt many times in the past, and I pray, and I ask God to do what I always ask before I preach. And and uh, then I go into this empty sanctuary, and um, I stand up before cameras that I can barely see because of all the lights that are in my face, and and um, I just start talking to an empty room. And, uh, you know, the purpose of preaching is is that there are people to preach to and with. And when there are no people right there in front of you, um, I just don't have the words to express to you what that feeling is like, but every preacher in America is going through it right now. So I'm certainly not whining. I'm just saying that uh, it's, it's, very, it's very much unnatural what's happening right now. Um, to be able to not have feedback when you read faces and you read people, uh, to not be able to have prayer time together, to give invitations, which I do regularly, um, all of that's gone. And so now you're just trusting that someone might be watching, um, on the internet. And people have been faithful to watch, and there have been new ones who have joined us. But nonetheless, an empty auditorium is is um, something that I never thought that I would experience.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you and all of the pastors across the world who are adjusting to this pandemic state where we have to stay at home. And for you in particular, have you ever gone back to your Facebook page from Salem Evangelical Church just to look at what people's comments were saying as you were preaching?
1: Um, Out of courtesy and respect to them, I do go back each day uh, from the daily devotional at 1 o'clock and the Bible study on Wednesday nights at 6.30. I go back and and read what they write, and and it's it's humbling. I I might say that with Facebook, people are more free to say what they think and what they feel, Uh, and so that doesn't usually happen on on a normal, regular Sunday when we're together in person. Um, I might get a few comments in writing, but very, very, very few. And now it's hundreds, it seems, because of how Facebook operates. And so it's um, it's been encouraging. Uh, it's it's humbling, um, and and uh, you know God's using this. And so so it's okay. We'll we'll be back together again. Every. Every church that's not meeting needs to know that we're going to be back together again. We just don't know when. So we got to hang in there and know that God's doing some great things that uh, probably would not have been able to have been done otherwise. So we all need to be okay with it. And uh, I'm okay with it. I'm at total peace. And I thank the Lord for, for it's His church. And so that's the beautiful thing about it. It's not my church. It's His church. And so he, He's He's got this one, and uh, I don't need to worry about it.
0: Well, certainly, Pastor Randy, none of us would have picked the COVID-19 coronavirus to shut our doors and make us have to attend church online. But looking at the glass half full, do you see any advantages out of this season? Do you think that people might be more transparent with their pastors as a result because they've been more free to comment on a Facebook Live feed, for instance?
1: Um, Hard to tell until we get back and we'll see see how everything shakes out, but certainly it has inspired some. Probably it's caused some that are cool to become even cooler. I don't know. Um, We'll we'll find out when it's time to come back together how hungry we are to be back in the Lord's house together. Um, It'll certainly be different with the restrictions and the social distancing and perhaps some other uh, restrictions, but we'll make it work. Uh, We'll make it work. Uh, The church has always been resilient. They've always made it work over the years, over the centuries, and uh, we're going to make it work during this time, too.
0: After attending several services when we first moved here from New York about 12 years ago, one of the aspects of your church that I adored was your music ministry brought me back home to New York because you had a full choir and orchestra. So how are you adjusting during this live streaming period of doing worship music?
1: Well, to, to fit that number 10, we have eight people on the platform three of them are related and we have them together our drummer has been self-quarantined ever since we've had a drummer so he's got a glass cage or a plexiglass cage around him uh so he's isolated our our uh, two guitar players and uh, one of the singers they're all of the same household so that's that's one unit and then the uh female uh, vocalist who stands behind me is my wife and so that's one unit and then we have a male soloist and then our our uh our pianists. and so we're able to to fit in what we need to do. We it's a simple worship team, and uh, it's how we started years ago, and and um, it's working just fine. And we'll continue to to um, do do what we need to do to to provide something meaningful to the people that are watching and listening.
0: So, not only as a lead pastor, but as a husband, father, regular person in the Pacific Northwest, Randy, what are your thoughts on reopening Oregon?
1: Well, everyone wants to open as fast as we can. Everyone always also says as safe as we can. So of course, of course we want to be safe. Uh, We don't want anyone in our church to be sick. We certainly don't want anyone in our church to die from it. And people have been sick in churches and people have died in various churches. So, uh, you know, everyone's trying to find that that perfect balance uh, between the extremes that are out there. And the, the honest answer is no one has the answer. And so we're all trying to figure out how to do something for which there's no instruction book. And uh, so everyone, I believe, has good intentions at this point. Um, and so I, I think to exercise patience, um, and to exercise kindness, uh, would be a, would be two wise things to exercise. And, and we'll, we'll, um, we'll all come out okay. Um, for some, it's, it's too slow. And for others, it's too fast. And so, like everything in life, uh, there's always going to be someone who's not happy with the decisions that are made. But we need to open Oregon. I mean, obviously, we, we, we can't stay closed um, indefinitely. And when we do reopen, there'll be, there'll be um, unintended consequences. That That's, that's life. Uh, and so, I,
0: I uh, trust and pray that it will be much, much sooner than, than later. I agree with you on that, Pastor Randy. And my thoughts and prayers go out with those who are more vulnerable and with those who who have been sick or who are currently sick, but I think that those are good rational well thought common sense suggestions that you give us to try to show grace to each other because we don 't know exactly when all of this is going to open up just a little and it 's tough to try to figure out whose authority do we trust, and who are we called to follow
1: yeah well we we were romans thirteen we're under we 're under authority yet Paul appealed. Um, to, to Rome. And so there's, there's a balance between the two. And then you have Acts 4, where, where uh, they said, no, we're, we're not going to follow your commands. We're, we're not going to stop speaking about the things that we've seen and heard. And so once again, there has to be a, a balance. And I think for the most part, if we, if we decide to just go ahead and defy things that we don't like, um, I, we're, we're, under, we're, we're a nation of laws. And I've always been one who has advocated, follow the law. And so that's the position that I have all always taken, and and will continue to take. Uh, you know, we've not had to face uh, civil liberties, we've not had to face a, a constitution that may or may not be being followed. And I'm certainly not judging that at this time. I'm just saying that we've not had to face that for for uh, in our lifetime. And so I, I think to jump the gun, we've got to realize that life will continue on the other side of this, and we need to really count the cost of how we're going to. Um, Really maneuver our way through this uh, because we got to live with ourselves on the other side, and so um, I believe in the system. I believe in the process. I believe in the rule of law. I believe in the court of law, and so I, I believe we just need to to um, to to be orderly about it and to be respectful about it.
0: Randy Butler is a volunteer with the Oregon Youth Authority, and he also pastors Salem Evangelical Church. When we return, more about adjustments that are being made during the coronavirus season, and also about the materials in Jesus' life and about Jesus over Jerusalem when we return on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee. And Randy Butler not only volunteers with the Oregon Youth Authority, he also serves as the pastor at Salem Evangelical Church. And one of the great resources that you put together over your 30-plus years at Salem EC, Pastor Randy, has been Jesus Life. So can you give us the big picture about Jesus Life? I can. I'll do
1: my best to do that. I I wrote uh, several books in 11, 12, and 13. And and uh, one of them was called Gospel Grit, uh, Be Mentored by Jesus, the Greatest Teacher of All Time. And in there, I had done an assignment in 2006 when I was doing my doctoral work. And uh, the professor said right at the end of class going into uh, Christmas break, she said, go home and learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Everyone uses that phrase so freely. Go home and learn what it means. You're dismissed. And so on my way back from... Uh, from Portland, I thought, "What can I do to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ?" And I, I took it on literally. I, I was the only student who did. She didn't mean it literally, I'm sure, but I did. And the Lord led me to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I began writing. I still have the uh, original tablet, handwritten, of of the of the scriptures of what Jesus said and what Jesus did. And based on on who would do the assignment, some might find a few more, some a few less. But I found seven hundred and thirty-two. Um, things that Jesus said and did. I wrote them down and I've taught them and used them as a pastor at our church and uh, then put them in a book called Gospel Grit and uh, formed them into clusters of of themes and had 156 of them, came out to be exactly the three years, one a week that uh, Jesus had with his disciples. So I put it into a three-year cycle for people to follow Jesus in real time like his disciples. I also put it online, which people can get for free. Uh, by going to my website, JesusOverJerusalem.com, dot com, and they can receive the devotional that is in the book Gospel Grit, with an application four days later. So they get two uh, personal touches a week for three years, and encourage them to just follow Jesus Christ very closely. And then in recent time, I went to a country in Asia, and I um, was able to show this to to one of my brothers and did a pastors' conference there, and and. Um, uh, said very much that they would like to have this material. And so I began working on it again some, some, uh, years later, uh, 14 years later actually from when I first did it and, and came up with this little booklet called Jesus Life. It's in a very nice little booklet form. You can find it on the website, uh, jesusoverjerusalem.com and a workbook that goes with it that has an A, B, A, B, A, B all the way through on all 732 so that you can journal your journey with Christ. Uh, It's been an effective tool. It's going to be used, um, it looks like, now in parts of the world. And uh, it's just now being launched in the next few weeks. We're pretty excited about it. If you're local in in Salem, Kaiser area, you can drop by the church and pick up uh, a set, too. That's wonderful.
0: So tell us about the website JesusOverJerusalem.com.
1: Yeah, that came about uh, my fourth trip to Israel. The first two I went as a participant, the last two as a guide, pastor guide. And and um, it was this last year we went and the weather was horrible. Um, it was rainy and windy and stormy. And uh, our last full day in Jerusalem, we were on the Southern Steps, my most favorite place in all of Jerusalem, because uh, that's where I believe Pentecost took place. And Pentecost Sunday is coming up May 31st. And so this is a very special time of the year for for me and for many Christians. And I gave my devotional from Acts chapter 2 and encouraged people to be soul winners. And I said, my prayer is, is that people would see the Lord, know Him, and love Him with all their heart. And I said, take a few minutes, go, go up in these areas. And we were the only ones there because the weather was so stormy. And um, I went up where I usually go to pray. And, and I said, Lord, my, my most earnest prayer is, is that people would see You, know You, and love You with all of Your heart, with all of their hearts. And um, that was my prayer. And uh, uh, the Lord prompted me to turn around And he said, take a picture. Well, I'm not a picture taker. My wife's the picture taker. And and I had tears in my eyes. It was an emotional moment. And I just took seven quick shots. Didn't think anything about it. Put the phone in my pocket, gathered the group and said, let's get on the bus. Time to go to our next place. And that night before dinner, I was going through my pictures, deleting them as I do most of my pictures because they're so crummy. And I uh, got to that picture and I looked at it and I couldn't believe my eyes because it was it was an image of Jesus Christ with a crown of thorns on his head. And with his hand raised and the nail through his wrist. And uh, I looked at it, and I made the screen smaller and bigger and smaller and bigger, and, and I said, this just can't be. And I called for Joni. She came to the f- to my little phone, my iPhone 8, and and she looked at it, and she said, how did you do that? And I said, I have no idea. And uh, from there, I got home. I thought about it more and more and realized that picture might have some value to uh, the world, that P- God might use it to have people come to Christ. And so... I did all of the things that you do with it legally and copyright and uh, have a wonderful um, team who are helping me in the in the business side of it of of producing what needs to be produced so that it can have worldwide distribution and um, that's just now really getting launched this this season as well along with Jesus life and so there's this marvelous image of Jesus in the clouds and when you look at the passages of Scripture that reference that in both Matthew and Luke and the book of Acts, it is truly a gift from the Lord. And uh, you can go to the website and see a 13-minute video that we had professionally made that tells the story. And at the very end, you, you watch this this, this uh, camera pan up to, to quite literally a, a marvelous likeness of Jesus Christ with a crown of thorns facing Jerusalem, facing quite literally the same area where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is where it is the area where Christ likely died on the cross. And I believe it's a gift that the Lord is going to use for people around the world, especially right now during Ramadan. There's an organization called Mercy, Inc. with the executive director, Doug Hoffman, and uh, his organization is working with people in Asia. And uh, 10,000 uh, copies of this has is being distributed during Ramadan and in some of the other um, festivals that the Muslims have in the next few months. And so we're really looking forward to hearing the outcome of how God is going to use this. There are some who have seen the picture, and uh, it has instantly changed their lives because they're asking for a vision of Isa Jesus, in in the sky. And so this certainly, I believe the Lord may use for something significant in world history. It's not my picture, it's his picture. And And uh, it's what he chooses to do with it. So we're excited about uh, some of the possibilities and the potential in the next months and years to come. And if a person wants to have a copy of it, um, we've made a lot of products, uh, some marvelous pictures, prints, crystal, um, everything from phone covers to you can find it on the store when you go to the website. So, Randy, you said that your
0: wife, Joni, is the photographer of the two of you? Very much so. (laughs) So I need to ask you. When you showed her the picture on your iPhone, did you preface it at all, or did you just say, just look at this?
1: No, you don't have to preface it. It's pretty obvious who it is. Um, there isn't anyone who looks at it and says, that's that's um, a football player or that's an ice skater. Um, it, it's pretty obvious who, who it is. And she, when you look at it, you just kind of stare at it in disbelief, but to realize that um, God made that image in the sky so that we would be mindful of, of Jesus on the cross and dying for our sins and offering to us eternal life. Um, he's trying to get our attention. He always has been. And, um, you know, we, we strayed from the, from the tree in the Garden of Eden, and we, we disobeyed. And there's only one tree that can bring us back, and that's the tree that was planted in at Calvary, and it's the tree that Jesus
0: died on. And uh, this image uh, points us to the cross. What stands out to me about that, Randy, is the fact that you're not the strong photographer in your family. No. And yet God used you in what you could call your weakness of photography, and he used your simple childlike faith and act of obedience, which was taking those camera shots to bring forward this amazing picture.
1: It was truly amazing that uh, he laid a prayer in my heart that people would see him, know him, and love him with all of their hearts, and then said, turn around and take a picture. And when I said see him, I didn't really mean see him. I, I meant that they might see him uh, in ways other than actually seeing an image in the sky. Of course, no one would have ever guessed that in a million years. But that's what he gave me, and he knows that my technical skills are zero. And so we've had forensic people uh, hired to uh, analyze it to make sure that it wasn't doctored or fixed up for those skeptics, and all of that's been cared for and done, and that's on the website as well. Uh, for those who don't know me, which is most everybody. But it gives an opportunity for for people to to see a miracle that, that God gave, and it's for the world. Jesus is for the world. He's for the whole world. He wants
0: everybody to come to him. Well, that's for sure. And the picture is not to be missed. It's amazing. The website is JesusOverJerusalem.com. That's JesusOverJerusalem.com. And speaking of your wife, where did you meet Joni in the first place, Randy? I met Joni in college at George... Fox College, now university.
1: Uh, it was uh, my junior year and her sophomore year in a law class, and um, we we uh, visited for a few minutes after that first night of class, and, uh, and the rest is history. We're going on year 39. God bless you.
0: 39 years and still going strong. Congratulations yep. on your marriage to Joanie, Randy. Very, very happy for you. Thank you. So many of us are going through adjustments in this pandemic season. Randy, can you give a word of hope? What does the Lord put on your heart lately that you feel the world needs to hear? Well, this
1: is a tremendous opportunity for people of faith to grow their faith. Um, We have in the book of James, it says, consider it joy when you encounter various trials that you might be able to build up your endurance that you can be perfect to complete, lacking in nothing. And I see this as a tremendous opportunity for uh, us to become um, stronger in the Lord, for our faith to grow, and for us to stand in the gap with people who are scared to death, people who are living with, with the fear of uncertainty and the unknown. I think this is just one of the most marvelous opportunities. We've got a shot for revival, I really believe we've got a shot for revival on this one. Much of our country has been asleep spiritually, and we've had people leaving by the millions over the last years. And and we've got a shot for revival because can you name another time in world history where the entire world at one time has come to a complete standstill? And we must ask the question within natural law, which is sickness in in the human body, um, and divine law that intersects natural law, there is the opportunity to meet God. And there is an opportunity for a miracle for us to see God pour out His Spirit. And coming upon Pentecost Sunday on May 31st, I can't think of a, of a better time for God to do something that our generation has not seen. And I'm excited about the future. People need to have their eyes on Jesus. People need to have their, their uh, hearts in the Word of God and trust Him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has always been a passage that I've loved. Trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. And he's done it in the past and he's going to do it today and he's going to do it tomorrow because our God is bigger than COVID-19.
0: Amen to that. Randy Butler is the pastor of Salem Evangelical Church. Make sure that you check out their live streaming services on their Facebook page at Salem Evangelical Church, and also the website, SalemEC.com, Sunday mornings at 9.15, in addition to other services that they post online. And Randy also volunteers with the Oregon Youth Authority. So, Randy, thank you for what you do with Salem Evangelical Church and with the Oregon Youth Authority. And on our way out, is there anyone you want to say hi to? Um, I want to say hello to my church family. (laughs) I miss them. That's all. And God willing, we'll all be getting back together with our church families in person. And until then, do not lose hope, friends. Make that phone call. Send that text. Do that Zoom call. Make an effort to reach out to those that you can while maintaining safe precautions. I'll make sure to have Jesus over Jerusalem and SalemEC.com and RandyRButler.com and Oregon.gov slash OYA all linked up to the Difference Makers page at True Talk 800. So thank you so much again, Pastor Randy Butler. Thank you very much, Mike. You've been a great host, and I want to thank you for your time. This has truly been my privilege, my friend. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers.